Hit it. Tune into the manifesto hosted by Emily Wheaton, Logan Cook, and Logan Bishop. The Political Science Society's new radio cast. Catch us on local 107.3 FM and wherever you find podcasts. Boom. Welcome to the manifesto. I'm your host, Logan. Today, my guest is Paula Wad- Wadwin? Wadwin. Wadwin, my apologies. Uh, city councillor and St. John for Ward 4. Hi. Hi. Hey, Paula. Hello. Thanks for having me. How are you today? Good, thanks. Beautiful day here in St. John, even at 3.30 in the afternoon. It is. It's beautiful. Spring has sprung. Finally. Um, so, I want to talk about the city's growth. Numbers came out, I believe, yesterday. Published in St. John grew by... Like 1,300 people between summer 2021 and spring of 2022. So, but this this explosion in growth is hurting the housing stock and it's putting a strain on the healthcare system. How can the city continue to grow while also mitigating the effects on healthcare and housing and infrastructure? Yeah, that's a, that's a good and challenging question because it is a big challenge. So I think that it is extremely important that we're keeping our eye on you know, is this development project working? Is that one going through? Mm-hmm. Any hurdles? Is there anything that the city can do to help mitigate um, putting through building permits so there's no hole for any of them, right? Um, right now, we have four um, potential affordable housing projects that are potentially getting approved from the federal government for some funding. So it's extremely important for us to keep up on these things and to make sure there's always something in the pipeline. Our uh, CAO will tell you that it's really important to get not just new builds, but then to also try to see if we can help developers or anybody who owns a house to try to repurpose other buildings. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, Stephen Britton actually had a proposal in to do a motel over in the west side into apartments. We have staff went ahead and, and got council approval, and now any hotel or motel can be repurposed into housing okay. and getting it rezoned. So we're just trying to take away any of that unnecessary red tape, and I think it's going to be important to keep looking for those items to try to try to make sure we have more housing available for all these new people coming. Oh, there's been a lot of like big projects either being built or announced. My favorite is probably Funday Key on the old Coast Guard site, right on Water Street. Are there any projects here in St. John that have caught your eye and that you are excited about? Yeah, so I mean, I'm very excited about Funday Key. Waterfront development project is something that I have wanted since I was a little girl. You know, I always thought that our waterfront could be so much more than it is currently. Mm-hmm. And so having this beautiful walking area, a place where you can sit and have a picnic, um, an area that will have like rocks going almost right down to the water there, um, you know, right on the market slip is going to be incredible. Being able to use our boardwalk, I mean, they basically have solariums that are, you're going to be able to sit out on the patio mm-hmm. 12 months out of the year so you can sit out the patio <laughs> and there'll be like, you know, a foot of snow <laughs> off to the side there. But you're all nice and toasty warm. 
sitting at the patio. So, I mean, that is just so much fun. There's going to be an outdoor skating rink right there. You're going to be able to skate while looking at the Bay of Fun Day. So I'm excited too. And then as these buildings go up and they're like multi-use buildings, multi-purpose buildings is the key mm-hmm. when it comes to anything in our in our uptown core. Um, so they're going to have commercial aspects to them. They're going to have residential units and they're over 600 uh, residential units. And there will also be some community space for like... Um, you know, multicultural community space use. Um, so that's really, really exciting. Um, just coming over to Milledgeville today, I was quite excited and I took some pictures that I'll have to share out. I mean, Technology Drive mm-hmm. has this incredible crane in the air, lots of units going up, it's really starting to progress. And then as, as I came down University Avenue, up off of, um, I think it's Arlington, um, we've got another big building going up there. So it's just great to see cranes in the air and there was movement happening there. It's not, those are not two projects that are at a standstill. They're in progress. So we'll bring some much needed housing units. Um, you were elected in 2021. Mm-hmm. What was it like campaigning and what is it like being a city councilor? Yeah, so campaigning was really, really hard because in 2021, we were still in the brink of COVID. So I did want to door knock because I really wanted to be able to speak to the people and see what are people worried about? Mm -hmm. What do people want me to advocate for them for? Um, But that was hard to do. So what you would see me doing, Logan, is I would end up like climbing some stairs, (laughs) the door, running back down the steps, and if nobody answered, then I'd go back up the steps steps and leave my door knocker on the door. I was getting quite a good workout cleaning, but I was trying to social distance to respect people, mm-hmm. right? At the same time, I wanted to talk to as many people as I could, and I had a lot of people tell me they only voted for me because they spoke to me. Um, I was also at the polling stations every single day, all day, um, before, like pre-voting and the day of the, the, the polls going. Mm-hmm. And people were like, wow, you haven't left here. It's incredible. And the only way that I would leave is I would just go to another polling station up the street, right? So anyway, so I was, but of course you can't really campaign there. You can just say, hi, how's your day going or something. Yeah. Um, but still, I was present. They were seeing me. Um, and what is it like being a counselor? Well, that's a challenge and a half. Um, you know what? It's things like this that kind of keep me energized. Going out into the public and talking to people is what keeps me motivated to go in the next day and do it all over again. Um, I think that I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't say it was extremely difficult to be in politics, especially as a woman. Um, I went to the uh, Federal Canadian Municipalities Conference last year, mm-hmm. and any uh, woman in politics that I spoke to all said the same thing. Anybody that was a minority also had the same uh, challenges. And, you know, frankly speaking, you know, we, we you know, we've, I've, I've dealt with some harassment. So, you know, it's, uh, it's extremely difficult, extremely challenging. Um, you know, I'd love to think that everybody's in this for the right reasons, but I'd probably be a little bit naive in, in really believing that. So, 
um, you have to keep your eye on the prize. The prize is a better quality of life for citizens. And if you get your eye off of that prize for any period of time, you can probably be one of the worst politicians going if, if you get, if, if somebody, something gets control over that idea. You just have to keep your eye on what you're there for. Another project here in the state that I'm a big fan of is the expansion happening at the port. I, I believe 150,000 TUs went through the port last year, but it's only expected to increase this year. But with the expansion of the port comes more noise. People on the Lower West Side comes more traffic going through Sims Corner and onto the West Side. How do you feel about the port and how do we mitigate the problems that will arise with the expansion? Yeah, so I mean, you know, in talking with the port, it's going to go from 150 TUs to over 800. Mm -hmm. um, that's a lot. And it could even go bigger than that. I mean, we've got two more cranes down there. So that can, you know, I mean, as a business owner, and I don't want to talk about my business, but as a business owner, I think that I can, I can say that any business owner I've talked to, we've all had supply chain issues. Yeah, so, you know, so the port, yeah, the port's expanding, you know, having two extra cranes, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's definitely going to help with the supply chain issues that many businesses have had. It creates, like, incredible jobs are great mm -hmm. for lots of benefits, good salary. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. It's going to create more noise. We'll have more trains, more truck traffic, the whole nine. So how do you mitigate it? It's hard. Um, you know, I think fair taxation is a huge one that we're going to need more than ever. Province is, has moved the needle on that. I totally appreciate everything they've done. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we need more. You know, we're going to need to to leverage that um, that multiplier there when it comes to when it comes to commercial properties. Um, you know, we might end up needing to tax uh, vacant lands and things like that higher. Um, so, I mean, I think to pay for road reconstruction because you're going to have so many trucks on it. When it comes to train traffic, it's extremely challenging. And it's one of those things that you really need to be able to work with your partners mm -hmm. to see if you can help mitigate that. Um, I know you've had an extensive conversation about trains here at the manifesto, and it's like sometimes I'm listening to your podcast thinking, okay, is there any golden solution that somebody's going to come up with when it comes to trains? And I haven't heard it yet, but, you know, fingers crossed that there's, there's another way to mitigate things. The other big challenge is the Portland is controlled by the federal government, mm -hmm. right? And when the federal government has a contract like they have with AIM, for example, which, you know, has had explosion, there's been deaths that have occurred on their, on their land. I'm not saying it's their fault, mm -hmm. not their fault. I'm not going to get into that sort of uh, litigation nightmare, I'm sure. But, but, you know, whatever it is, there's noise there, right? There's, um, there's concern that people have from that. It's completely out of the city's control unless there's a reason to send in police and fire. Mm -hmm. So because it is Portland, it is a port contract. I mean, the thing that we can do, which I know during Don Darling's uh, team of uh, 
of counsel, they sent in a few letters, you know, like, you know, we need to try to help mitigate sound. And, but when the court's in a contract for 20 years, 25 years, it's pretty hard. They're, they're in a contract. And they're stuck with the, with the recycling company that constantly explodes right on the harbor. Yeah, well, and I mean, you know, so, you know, for them, they kind of have, I guess the federal government has to look and think, okay, is there anything that's happening that's out of the contract? Is there, you know, like, what do they have at their level? You know, and I'm sure they've looked at it and they've been trying to, like, help mitigate it. But, you know, at the same time, on the other side of things, you have some people saying, you know what, I've got a great job at AIM. You know, I'm making a decent wage at AIM. And so there's some people that are very appreciative to have aim in the city but you're right like we need to be able to have industry here and also mitigate all of those sort of quality of life issues that can come up with these industries oh uh, last year the city passed a bylaw that would allow bike sharing services in the city and i believe a couple of weeks ago a company at a pei said that they were going to open up shop here in st john how do you feel about having ride sharing services here in the city yeah, I mean, I think, uh, so was, I think I'll give credit. I think it's Councillor Norton that brought that forward in the last council. And, um, you know, I think it's a great idea, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think it'll take away from other modes of transportation. It'll just add another option, right? So, you know, as long as, um, and I know some of the other councillors are not big fans of it, um, because, you know, are they following, you know, are they following some good human uh, resource policies? You know, like, are they making sure their staff well, they're treating mm -hmm. their staff well? Is there enough information going to the public about who's driving and all that sort of thing? But you know what? I've had great experience when I've traveled abroad using some of these bigger companies. Um, and I would only hope that a smaller company coming in we kind of like, you know, our local businesses that care so much about their staff and the way that they're mm -hmm. treating their customers. So I think it's, uh, I, I like it that it's a smaller company looking to come into the city. And I think there's a huge opportunity. I mean, you know, and if, if they have the, the ride sharing bylaw passed, I know they did it in Quizcam. I don't think Rossi has done anything yet, though. Grand Bay, Westfield, not that I know of. But if they had it available too, maybe that those that company could make sure that they could commute between, you know, St. John and those regional mm -hmm. areas. So could be some great opportunity. Uh the province has recently announced or recently within the past couple of months announced the location for a new school uptown and their plans to replace two schools here in the north end with the new one. What are your thoughts on the new schools? This is really exciting. I mean, John, you know, it's been, I think Side was the first school that we got in like over 50 years in St. John mm -hmm. School. Um, so, I mean, with some of these older pieces of infrastructure, and I'm all about repurposing uh, infrastructure, but, you know, it creates a lot of challenges. And in school nowadays, as you know, here at UNB, like, you know, as things happen, like you want more and more technology in your classrooms and, and you want to like, you want to use your space well. So what you're finding with some of these new schools is that they're um, changing their gymnasiums into lecture theaters, like they're making sure they have ways to, you know, put 
seating in and take it out and all that sort of thing so that they can use a, a, a big space as like multi-purpose. So I think it's great. Um, you know, we obviously know where the school is going to be in the south end. We don't know where, where it's going to be in the north end yet. Um, but I do have a couple of concerns about it. And the biggest concern is um, gentrification. Okay. So I know from talking to so many real estate agents and from, um, you know, talking with people in general, one of the things that you look for neighborhood is the good school. Mm-hmm. new school and if it's a high-tech school and and it's all new and everybody likes that uh, new shiny bright thing so there's going to be a real draw to these areas mm-hmm. and with that you know a smart developer is going to say hey you know what what a great place to build and the challenge would be is if all of a sudden somebody is going in and saying well let's build 50 units here at $2,500 a pop um, so what I want to not see is that it becomes an area for only wealthy people. Um, it's extremely important, especially in these areas, you know, Central Peninsula, one in every two kids is under the poverty, um, under the poverty level. Mm-hmm. North End is not much better um, as far as the statistics go. And so... The most important thing for me when we're talking about zoning and development is that we have multi-purpose, you know, all levels of income living in different areas. That's how you uplift people out of poverty. Uh, St. John Trains has been improving its services over the, really since COVID hit back in 2020. With new lines, new buses, new schedule, all that. What are your thoughts on the improvements that St. John Transit is making? So, I mean, I'll put a feather in uh, some of our hats there. Because, you know, we we really, we really, we sat, there was four of us that sat down and got elected and said, you know, I know I said, like, this is so overwhelming. I really, there's so many things to tackle. Mm-hmm that I wanted to tackle and what do we do first? So in conversations with Councillor Killen, uh, Harris and uh, and Hickey, we were like, you know what? People can't get to work and the vulnerable population are not able to get to work easily because a lot of the, a lot of the transit during COVID was decreased. Mm-hmm. First were decreased on the bus for safety, right? And uh, the amount of the amount of buses going out was a lot less too. Um, but a lot of people were working from home and stuff too. So, I mean, there was a good reason to do it, but people were starting to get back out when we got in. So how do we do it? So Councillor Killing brought a motion to council um, to dip into reserves for $600,000 to try to get this like on-demand service going um, so that we wouldn't have empty 40-foot buses using diesel throughout the city, which was something that you would see constantly, right? Some areas obviously coming into UNB, the bus would be quite full. But if you were going out to, you know, out to Loch Lomond, you might not see that in my ward, right? Um, So here we ended up investing in electric buses. There was a bit of pushback at the council table, pushing a dip into reserves for this. We didn't want to wait. We didn't want to wait for the new budget. We knew it was urgent. Mm-hmm. 
So we pushed back a lot and, um, and council ended up approving it. And then staff went and, and dug around to see like, where can we get this money? And they ended up getting $1.1 million from the federal government to go towards transit and housing. So it was awesome. Um, On Demand is doing really well on the west side. And now they're just in the process of doing some more hiring to be able to get these electric buses for the on-demand service in all other areas of the city. Um, and I, I think it's great. I'm hearing some great things about the west side. So north and south as well. Um, uh, walkable cities have become a big deal, really, especially here in North America, but across the world in the past couple of years. Again, since COVID here, people want to not have to drive much and they want to get on and get walking. But St. John's not a very walkable city, excluding uptown and the South End. How does the city make St. John more walkable and even more accepting to people on bicycles? It's hard because, you know, we've inherited the way the city has been built. Mm-hmm. And you're right, you know, we are more walkable in the North End and, uh, and uptown is, is for, you know, you get the Harbor Pass and mm-hmm. can't get more walkable friendly than that but how do we do it so that like you know on heather way you're not going to get clipped when you're trying to ride your bike it's not easy so i think when we are redoing roads doing full road reconstruction we need to be keeping this sort of thing in mind and for me part of it is a bit of a fiscal responsibility item um less pavement means less money that you have to spend Mm -hmm. and i've never heard anybody say oh you know what all that pavement makes me right so i just want to see so much green space and you know available space for walking and i think that especially since covid people have really started to understand the value of the outdoors Right. Um, some people will say, Paul, are you trying to push for six bikers that go throughout the city to have bike lanes? My argument is with that is maybe a lot of people are not biking that much. And I, I don't think it's only six people. Logan, okay. But, um, you know, maybe, maybe not that many people are biking because they don't feel like it's safe to bike in different areas. So, for example, when we're redoing me. Which I think is brilliant to have it, you know, much more bike friendly, walk friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, you're connecting the North End, which is where the city's looking to develop the most next, um, to the central core, right? So when we're doing things like that, we need to be making these changes because, I mean, you're not going to redo the entire landscape of St. John overnight, but every time you're reconstructing a road, you need to think about bikers and walkers and just having less pavement if you can. If we don't need four lanes of traffic in Main Street, if we don't, come on, we shouldn't have four lanes of traffic, right? So there's no need for it. Why do we have all that pavement? It costs so much money to pave. Um, since it does seem like the height of COVID has gone past what COVID has, I'm, I'm tired of COVID and all, everything that it brings. Tourism should begin to rebound to pre-COVID numbers with the with the, the cruise ship. I think this year is going to be a banner year for cruise ships in the city mm-hmm. and just tourists in general. Does the city have a plan to attract tourists and to bring back people who came before COVID and to bring new people into the city? 
Yeah, so that's a that's a great that's a great one. Um, it's my understanding that Cruise is going to be bigger than ever this year, which is good news. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the cruise ship passengers love walking through St. John. Uh, I wish a waterfront development project would be all ready for them, and it won't be until the end of December. But you can see it really starting to take shape right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but however, the Container Village is there for them, right? And that's and there's so much things. For them to see uptown so um from from the container village to the city market doesn't get much better than that um and all the architecture so but this is something that we have contracted out to envision st john so envision st john was something that has become amalgamated i don't know if you're familiar with it but it used to be enterprise st john St. John and Discover St. John has amalgamated into Envision. Mm-hmm. And they have a board that's overseeing them, and it is now a regional service. So, Quiz Pam Rossay, Grand Bay Norton, Hampton are all paying money into Envision. Mm-hmm. City of St. John's contribution is large for Envision. Um, so, it ends up working at being about $3.1 million this year. Um, because we are giving our hotel levy to it as well. And the one thing that I will say is the staff, um, we kept, I think, pretty much all, most of the staff for Discover St. John, and they were doing a phenomenal job. So I was, uh, I was invited in myself to, because I was kind of asking questions about Discover, um, that Discover team with Envision. And I was invited in for a presentation, and it's incredible what they're supporting. Mm-hmm. So they're still doing tons of tourism-driven uh, marketing um, like they used to. So they've always kind of targeted Ontario, Quebec. Um, of course, you know, the, some of the other Atlantic provinces as well. And then they have kind of gone down south a little bit into uh, New York State and Maine in the past. I think they are, have been a little bit more focused in last year on the Canadian side of the border because, of course, a lot of people not crossing the border mm-hmm. COVID. Uh, not sure what their plan is, if they're going to go back down south again this year. But they do an incredible job um, bringing in tourists and conferences and supporting different games like the um, the 55-plus games, for example. They were big supporters of that. They help, uh, they help the Memorial Cup team, you know, organize the Memorial Cup. So they've been doing some really great things that are driving a lot of people into the city. Uh, a big problem facing the city and really the province, the country as a whole, is, is a lack of housing. Mm-hmm. What can the city, alongside the province and the federal government, do to ensure that everyone has a place to live? Yeah, and I mean, you know, in, in speaking with especially some of the other counselors and, you know, and people hearing people say, well, you know, there's there's such a market to make money in housing. And other people say, like, you know, it shouldn't be so profitable. Everybody has a right to housing. I do agree with that, that everybody should have the right to housing, mm-hmm. um, having a safe, affordable um, housing structure. So. There's four affordable housing projects, like I mentioned, that the city is uh, trying to help uplift and get federal funds for. Mm-hmm. So hopefully if that all goes through, I think um, that'll be around 130 units. I don't know exactly, Logan, don't quote me, but it's close to that. 
Um, and then, you know, we need to get rid of red tape. Mm-hmm. So getting rid of that red tape so that if somebody ends up finding an old motel or hotel that they want to repurpose and change it into apartments instead, that's great. They now have the, the green light to do that before they would have to go to council and get it rezoned and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's going to be extremely important to think about some sort of a rent cap um, because things need to stay affordable. And as we're developing and we're getting some nice, you know, new shiny things like schools and funded key and waterfront development, that's going to drive growth and we need to be ready for it. So we need to make sure that, you know, like the UMB students, for example, you know, are not going to be hit with like a 20% increase. So how do you balance that out, right? How do you balance it so that there is a cap? However, with inflation, a landlord is able to increase it a little bit because the landlord does need to be able to increase rents. And I'll tell you why, because if you kept rents the same for a very long period of time and the inflation is going up like it has been, Mm -hmm. you're going to end up with a bunch of landlords that can't reinvest into their property and essentially end up, you know, maybe not wanting to, but become slumlords, you know, because they can't reinvest. So you need them to be able to reinvest back into their property. Um, You know, I think that the market should be able to, um, with some market uh, value properties, be able to make a bit of a profit. It shouldn't be obscene amounts of profit. So there's got to be some control. So we need to balance that. And we also have to have affordable housing available for people that are lower. You mentioned the rent cap, which the province introduced last spring and then discontinued at the end of last year. They said that it was not needed. People weren't getting rent increases. It was hurting development. But now with the gun, it seems that a lot of people are getting extraordinarily high rent increases and development really was not affected by it at all and still going strong. What are your thoughts on having a rent cap in New Brunswick? Yeah, so I mean, like I said, I think that we do need something, but it needs to be balanced. Balanced so that the landlord, you know, when it's a market, when it's market pricing, they can make a bit of a profit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you shouldn't be making like 40% profit on housing. And I think some people probably are if you open the books, right? Um, So what's reasonable? 10, 15 percent 20 percent even mm-hmm. maybe but i'm sure that there are some landlords that are making a lot more than that and that and it's become so unaffordable the other thing is is we do need affordable housing so and, and you know like subsidized housing you have not-for-profit organizations that we're trying to push to help them with their development projects that hopefully the federal government are going to fund um but the rent caps got to come into play I mean, we are the only province, Logan, that doesn't have a rent cap of some sort. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody does it a little bit differently. I think that you need the balance there. I'm not sure exactly what the measurement needs to be, but landlords should not be making obscene amounts of money off of people. And at the same time, they do need to have enough money to reinvest to make sure that they're offering clean, uh, safe, presentable and comfortable spaces for people to live. Uh, what, I, what, this year, the, the city council 
introduced and passed what is called a vacant property tax. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know much about it, but I know that you're a fan of it, as is Councillor Killen and Harris. Oh, yeah. Can you talk more about the vacant property tax and why you were supportive of it? Supportive of it? Yeah, so I was so happy that when staff brought this, it was one of those things that I get all excited about. And, you know, sometimes you have a hard time to contain yourself there sitting at the table. So with with this vacant property tax, so right now when there's a vacant property, um, the tax is not that high, right? Mm-hmm. So this would end up pushing the tax rate up so that basically you would be almost penalized for leaving your property vacant. Which, as we have seen in the past, if you leave your property vacant for too long and we'll say, quote unquote, leave the lights off, right? So that there's maybe no heat in it or anything, then it can become dilapidated. And so this um, vacant property tax is a goal to try to keep people from having their properties become dilapidated. The other thing that I mentioned at council and that wasn't part of the status of land and some even in areas that were really hoping to get more density like Central Peninsula and they're not paying a lot of property taxes because there's nothing on the land. So mm-hmm. it keeps them thinking, oh, well, I'm not going to build anything there. That's just a piece of, you know, it's basically a part of their wealth that they have that they don't have to pay a lot of tax on. So I think, you know, I hope, and I mentioned it to staff, that I'd like to see us even have more of a vacant land tax as well um, to try to keep people from hanging on to empty parcels of land. When we're in a housing crisis, mm-hmm. we need to develop it. And you, don't, you know, I can own a piece of land and I don't want to build something on it, but, you know, having that vacant land tax might give me the incentive to sell it to somebody who would develop on it. Um, my final question is, and it's a question I know you wanted me to ask you is, what are your thoughts on first past the post and changing like process and something more proportional? Yeah, so this is something it's like, I, well, I thought that it would happen in this, um, you know, after this federal government get in, mm-hmm. because I do think that we need, uh, you know, election reform. So the big question is, is, you know, for example, do you want your prime minister to be elected without having the majority of Canadians voting for them? I mean, I know I don't. I, I definitely don't. Right? So that's that's what bothers me. It's like, okay, we've all known that if you don't get Montreal area, Toronto area, people always say, if you know, if if the, the Prime Minister's party can take Ontario and Quebec. He's got it. Mm-hmm. Or she's got it. I mean, unfortunately, you know, it's been he. So anyway, hopefully, hopefully we'll have a woman in that seat there before you know it too. Just to create some more diversity. But you know, it's like, do we you know, what do we do? Well, I thought that they were gonna change the way, right? Change the way we're doing things because it's all about how many seats you're getting and I want to know that the prime minister that's there is the person that the majority of people want in Canada to represent, you know, and this is, I know this is your famous last question, (laughs) but you know, but it's hard. It's frustrating because you're thinking, you know, did Trudeau last election get the majority? No. No. Did he the time before that? Nope. No. And it's like, okay, so what does that mean for us? 
So for me, I always think it's best to have somebody who is representing the majority. The majority people want them, and it's not like that right Anyway, we'll see if it changes. Well, that's all I have to ask. Is there anything you want to say to people listening to this? I just, uh, I think the only thing I have to say, Logan, is I hope they keep listening to you. Because <laughs> I, think I think your podcast is great. I, you know, hats off to you for, for putting this on. Because I think there's a lot of people that really don't get engaged. And I'd love to see more citizen engagement because it's extremely important to know what your elected officials are doing mm -hmm. and what they could do for you, what they're advocating, if they're advocating for the items that you need for them to advocate for. And that's why I do love municipal government because we are the closest to the people. Um, I know you ran municipal in, in your area mm -hmm. in the past. And so for me, yes, housing has not been something that municipalities have done in the past, but it's obviously something that's really affecting the people. So especially for that advocacy effort and trying to make sure that we don't have like red tape that's not necessary and things like that to try to help the people. Um, you know, that means that we're working closely with the province and the feds to try to get things changed. So really important to have podcasts like this. People need to get informed know what your government's doing and you know what and share your views right share your views with your elected officials because look at after UNB you gotta you gotta know you get a job <laughs> to go to here right and you've got a great economy to work in you know you want to have a really great livable city to be in and this is the way to, to do it get engaged the people are the power Unfortunately, they don't always seem to think so, but you know it, Logan. That's why you're doing this. So, anyway, keep it up, and I hope everybody keeps listening to you. Well, Paul, thank you for doing this interview today. We had a, we had a great chat about a whole bunch of different issues. <laughs> sure. uh, thank you for listening to the manifesto. I'm your host, Logan. Today, my guest is Paula Rodwan. Rodwan, that's it? Uh, St. John City Council for Ward 4. Thank you for listening. Hit it. Hosted by Emily Wheaton, Logan Cook, and Logan Bishop, the Political Science Society's new radio.